I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hi everyone, say hi to Alison Locke, a licensed acupuncturist. She has specialized training in fertility and reproductive health. As a stage three endo warrior herself, Alison is, is extremely passionate in helping treat the pain and symptoms of endometriosis. Today on the show, however, I will be speaking to her about using acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine to help with PCOS. So welcome, Alison. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited because, um, you know, I first found your work on Instagram and it was mm -hmm. very um, insightful and very informative. So, um, you know, just let the audience know when it comes to addressing a condition like PCOS, how do you use traditional Chinese medicine to work with that? Yeah, definitely. That's that's a huge question. So it's a very big. Question. I mean, <laughs> PCOS is is fairly complicated. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it, but I do find that um, that traditional Chinese medicine and holistic Eastern medicine in general is really great at addressing all the different levels uh, and layers of PCOS to bring the body back into homeostasis and. Um, treat a lot of the symptoms. Interesting. So basically, you know, for people who are not familiar with like Eastern medicine or Chinese medicine, um, could you give a little like kind of background to that? Like what kind of systems are they looking at or like how is it different from like conventional uh, medicine? Yeah. So traditional Chinese medicine is an ancient medicine. It's been um, in practice for roughly 5,000 years, whereas allopathic medicine, um, like regular Western medicine, has only been around for a couple hundred years. And uh, traditional Chinese medicine and Eastern medicine, they see the body as a whole. So all the different parts uh, are all intertwined and codependent and are affected by each other and working on the whole body is definitely key to treating the entire disharmony. And yeah, a lot of the, the treatment tools are more natural. We're working with the body instead of against the body, trying to force, force it into, you know, different states. Um, and so, yeah, it is a generally more natural, um, holistic approach. Yeah, it sounds great. I mean, I myself have used Chinese medicine um, sometimes, you know, when I want to regulate my periods or I just feel yeah. like something's off. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like some of the words that are being thrown um, in Chinese medicine is like if you're if you're like damp or, you know, you need some warmth or I might be butchering this. But, yeah, um, no, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of more of a person that needs warming foods. Like they always tell yes. me that. Um, so yeah, could you like explain that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, we use like different elements and different temperatures a lot in Chinese medicines because that's what, uh, I mean, a lot of, you know, the old ancient sages, they used 
the environment as this macrocosm and then used the elements that occur naturally in nature to describe what's happening internally in the body. So yeah, there's you know the elements of dry, damp, wind, uh, and then how those elements sort of work within the body creates various disharmonies that we then have tools to treat. Uh, so yeah, there are some keywords, like a lot of people know like, oh yeah, my acupuncturist told me to stop eating so much cold raw stuff or like, I heard I have liver cheese stagnation. What does that mean? Is there something wrong with my liver? So there's definitely like uh, a lot of keywords that I, I feel like are uh, fairly popular with, with acupuncture right. and they do have, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing. Like, so mm -hmm. um, especially with the warmth is really important because we are warm blooded creatures and right. warmth helps make sure our blood is circulating nicely, which is really important for every functioning in our body. Um, and so we also see the digestive system, which is the spleen and stomach pair organ system in Chinese medicine. They're very sensitive to anything cold and raw because our body needs to transform those foods into body temperature in order for our body to absorb it and extract the nutrients that it needs. And we kind of describe the spleen and stomach and our, our, um, our digestive system as a furnace or a fire mm -hmm. and anything kind of cold and raw. So anything like straight from the fridge, um, iced drinks, ice cream, and even just regular raw foods like salads, smoothies, uh, raw fruit and vegetables can, can, in some people, um, sort of extinguish our digestive fires and that can, uh, impair the digestive system. It can cause a lot of symptoms like bloating and gas, fatigue, bowel movement irregularities, because the digestive system just isn't strong enough to digest right. those foods. So yeah, that is a very common thing. in medicine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Also, you know, when I was growing up, I was, from Singapore I was raised mm -hmm. in Singapore um, and I've always heard from like my Chinese friends or uh, anyone else they're like you know don't drink cold stuff or cold beverages right before your period because it's going to make your yes. pants worse and I definitely saw a pattern you know when I do drink it and when I don't um, so I think that kind of really speaks to something there yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. And it can be that easy, really. Like you just right. avoid cold, raw things in the week before your period. Mm -hmm. Um, because those that kind of coldness in your body congeals because cold prevents flowing. And mm -hmm. when you're on your period, you want your chi and blood to move really smoothly because that's going to help everything run smoothly for your period. Right. Uh, so anything that sort of stops that flow can cause pain and symptoms. So yeah, definitely. That totally makes sense to me. Like, right? <laughs> like, I don't know why this is not like more. Yeah, that is totally makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to like PCOS, I know it's very multifactorial. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many things to address. So when you look at the condition, um, is it more of like a what kind of like, I don't know, elements are involved or is it depending on the person? Yeah, so it definitely does depend on the person. And that's kind of one of the really beautiful things about Chinese medicine is that we really look towards the symptomology of the pattern in the person to create their specific diagnosis and disharmony of what's going on. So we can 
specifically target the treatment towards them. Um, and so conditions like PCOS can have multiple different syndromes uh, in Chinese medicine that correlate with the same Western medical diagnosis. Mm. Uh, but generally, PCOS, there is a lot of sort of phlegm damp accumulation because it's uh, there's a, there's the the cyst component on the ovaries. So the cysts uh, or the immature follicles, there's usually a bunch of them on both the ovaries, and that's causing a lot of the cycle dysregulation. And they're filled with fluid, so it makes sense that they're a, sort of a damp phlegm uh, sort of syndrome in Chinese medicine. But there's you know other factors at play as well. I think the three main organ systems that um, sort of coincide with PCOS are the kidney system, the spleen system, and the liver system. And these don't directly correlate to the exact organs in, in Western medicine. So if mm -hmm. we're saying, oh, you have liver cheese stagnation, that doesn't mean there's something actually wrong with your physical liver. It just means this is sort of the metaphorical pattern of the liver system in your body. And so that's how, that's kind of the viewpoint of, of, of Chinese medicine. Um, so as we we're kind of talking about with uh, the spleen and stomach and the digestive system, if that, if that organ system is impaired and you're having these digestive disturbances, the spleen can very easily create damp. Like when things get sluggish, it creates that dampness. And that dampness can be the material that sort of facilitates the formation of cysts on the ovaries. And so working with the digestive system, strengthening it so it's not producing those phlegm damp symptoms can be really helpful for Chinese medicine. Interesting. I like how you, um, you know, explained that pretty clearly and kind of simplified it. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking back to like when you were saying earlier about having like uh, circulation and blood oxygenation. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that that has to do with like, you know, subfertility too, right? Like you want your ovaries to like be working and have ovulation and all that. And that's something usually that is missing in PCOS. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, chi and blood stagnation is extremely common with a lot of reproductive disorders. Um, just because the period, you know, there's a lot of little micro movement, and it really needs that free flow uh, mm -hmm. in order for everything to happen correctly and efficiently. And um, so yeah, chi stagnation and blood stagnation and circulation in general is definitely always part right. of yeah. the treatment plan for, uh, for PCOS with acupuncture. So speaking of acupuncture, um, I was going to ask you how acupuncture helps PCOS women, but you can also kind of explain how acupuncture works, like the mechanisms first. Yeah, that might be helpful to, to explain yeah. exactly, exactly what it is and <laughs> what, how it works right. first. Um, so acupuncture, it consists of inserting very, very thin needles into different parts of the body. So there's lots of points that I use, um, in my, for my patients in my clinic, um, on the legs, on the feet, a lot on the belly, sometimes the ears, hands, there's points everywhere in these different channels that run along every part of the body. Um, and these different organ systems that we're trying to manipulate, there's different points that uh, have different functions to, you know, rectify the disharmonies present in these um, organ systems. So, you know, the spleen channel, if there's a lot of spleen issues, the liver channel for liver issues. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's an oversimplification, but that's basically right. how it works. And so 
acupuncture is really good for um, one for reducing inflammation. So it helps increase anti-inflammatory cytokines. It decreases pro-inflammatory cytokines and inflammation is uh, definitely a component of PCOS because it can, um, it can interfere with hormone balance and ovulation um, and egg quality. Inflammation is really not kind to healthy eggs. It can, mm-hmm. um, it can really impair egg quality. And that's something that we definitely focus on, especially uh, for women with PCOS that are trying to conceive. And it also uh, benefits the immune system. So it helps kind of boost the immune system, especially through its anti-inflammatory effects. Um, It's really good for pain relief because it releases pain relieving neurotransmitters. Um, It balances hormones. So it's great for promoting insulin sensitivity, increases endorphins and serotonin, the body's like natural feel-good chemicals. So it's great for the mood. Um, and then it also helps regulate um, gonadotropin releasing hormone from the brain, which is how your brain sort of communicates with your ovaries and mm-hmm. tells them when to ovulate, when to start making follicles. And so that sort of feedback loop, that HPO axis, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, we're able to yeah. sort of manipulate with acupuncture. And yeah, it's great for blood circulation and then stress relief. Stress relief is definitely one of my favorite parts of it because uh, we all need stress relief and yes, um, for sure. <laughs> especially the past year or two. Um, so acupuncture is really great for activating the parasympathetic nervous system. So it's that's the opposite of your body's fight or flight response, the sympathetic nervous system. So it sort of helps you know, and initiate that relaxation response in your body, which is really important because your body can only heal when it's in that relaxed parasympathetic mode. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly in, you know, fight or flight mode, you're constantly having, you know, adrenaline production, cortisol production, um, which is very easy to, to be a state that we live in, in in modern day, um, then it's really hard for your hormones to be balanced, for your body to be able to regulate the amount of inflammation that it's producing. And so that stress relief component is definitely really huge too for, for treatment plans for PCOS. So yeah, those are sort of the mechanisms of acupuncture and yeah. the ways that it works in the body. It sounds very um, holistic. And um, I mean, I have had my own personal experience with acupuncture mm-hmm. um, actually quite recently too. Um, oh, cool. And I know I realized, especially like you you wouldn't know there are certain muscles that are actually tense and when she would do it on me I'm like whoa like that's actually pretty (laughs) tense and um yeah I mean it's totally relaxing too like I always feel so much better after oh that's Um, great yeah (laughs) so when it comes to acupuncture obviously it's not like a one-time thing too like right like people have to do it exactly consistently yeah, exactly. Consistency and regular treatment is really key, especially with PCOS. Like I tend to, I typically see my patients weekly for a menstrual cycle or two, because it takes time for your body to get the message that, oh, this is how we ovulate. We kind of got a little bit messed up here. Oh, this is, you know, how we regulate our cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does take time, especially because with PCOS, your cycles tend to be a bit longer and it takes some time to initiate that regular ovulation, which is then going to promote a cyclical menstruation. 
And so, yeah, it does take time. Um, it's kind of similar, like, you know, you don't go to the gym once and then expect to have a six pack the day later. It takes like some time or, you know, the high blood pressure medication that you take, if you took it, you know, once a week or once a month, it's not going to mm. be effective. But if you, if you adhere to whatever modality you're doing with the correct dosage, that's when you really get the good results. Right. That makes sense. I mean, just like with all things, like it always takes time. And like when it comes to hormones, they're mm-hmm. just, you know, messengers. So they, t- they take time too to kind of like, oh, this is like a different stimulus than before. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, very good. I mean, you know, we talked about like Chinese medicine and we talked about like acupuncture. Um, moving on to like, I think nutrition is a really big part of, um, you know, helping with PCOS. So are there certain foods you would advocate for like hormone health? Yeah, absolutely. And especially with, with PCOS, the diet component is so huge and so important. Um, I mean, diet alone can be so transformative. Um, and so, yeah, there's a specific things in general for hormone balance, like you want to make sure you're getting enough nutrients. So the nutrient density of your food is really important. You need to make sure you're giving your body the building blocks that it needs to make good hormones and, um, and that kind of thing. And then, um, making sure you're getting enough fiber because regular bowel movements is really important because that's how your body is able to excrete excess hormones. And so if you're not having, uh, regular bowel movements, your body could be reabsorbing, you know, those, those hormones that it's trying to get rid of, and then it's recirculating in your body and then creating a bunch more havoc. Uh, so fiber, I mean, it's also just really important for your microbiome for the health of your intestines, which can have a huge impact on mood and inflammation and insulin resistance. So don't ever estimate or underestimate (laughs) the importance of fiber. Um, And then blood sugar stabilization is huge for everything hormone related. Um, I have this talk with almost every single patient that I have, because a lot of people don't really understand what stabilizing your blood sugar through diet really looks like. It's a kind of a, it's a, I don't know, weird concept. And so it's basically making sure you're eating your, you know, three-ish meals a day. You're not doing anything crazy long intermittent fasting. I'm thinking like intermittent fasting can be a really helpful tool as long as you're not overdoing it and really tanking your blood sugar by the time you're eating your first meal. Um, not snacking constantly throughout the day. That's also not good. So there's definitely Mm -hmm. the timing part is really important for regulating your blood sugar and then also what you're eating. So are you eating just a whole bunch of carbs, which translate directly into sugar and glucose and increase your insulin? Or, um, are you making sure that you're eating, you know, a good amount of protein and healthy fats with your meals, which helps stabilize your blood sugar. So I always tell my patients, if you want to have, you know, your bowl of pasta or, you know, oatmeal in the morning, totally fine. Just add a whole bunch of protein in it and healthy fats to it. So it can kind of slow that shock, um, of glucose in your bloodstream. And, I think it's easy to forget that insulin is also a hormone and hormones kind of work in a cascade where if one's out of whack, the rest follow. So stabilizing your insulin levels and your blood sugar can be a really great foundation to balance the rest of your hormones too. Yes, I totally agree. And I think 
you know, when it comes to the whole nutrition piece and the whole, like, do I fast? What do I eat? How much am I working out? Like, it really, really depends on the individual. Over time, you know, as I as I talk about diet with people, like, you know, people are usually asking me, like, how much carbs should I eat? And, uh, yeah. and, you know, I actually think like, it's actually really hard for like a normal consumer now to find out what they need, if they're really confused. And this is where, you know, working with someone like you or me, like, it would really mm-hmm. help. Because, um, yeah, everyone's lifestyle is different. It also depends on like, how active the individual is. Absolutely. It depends on so much. It depends on your, yeah, your activity level, how well you sleep at night, your genetics. Right, how stressed like, you are. <laughs> exactly. Like all of that's so individual. And, and yeah, that is exactly why it's so important to seek out that individual care and to have someone working with you one-on-one that knows what's going on in your body and has expertise to be able to apply sort of a treatment protocol to you. And I, especially with like, I mean, I love social media, but it's got so many not great tips for these kinds of things about weight loss and detoxes. I mean, there doesn't, there's not a week that goes by where a patient is like, I saw, you know, this and this on Instagram or this on TikTok. And, and they're like asking me like, is this true? Is this, is this something that I should be taking or doing? And a lot of the times, no. And it's really, really important to, to make sure that where you're getting your information is Mm -hmm. someone that is like certified and knowledgeable in what they do. They're not like just some, you know, beautiful model on Instagram. That's like, you know, selling something because they get a cut out of it. So it's really important to discern uh, where you're getting your information from. So it can be applied to you in the best way possible. So you can get your results faster and better. Yeah, for sure. I think discernment is almost like a goal yeah. for clients now too. So speaking of like, you know, working one-on-one with a very knowledgeable practitioner, <laughs> if people want to work with you, um, I know you're based in like Vancouver. Do you mm-hmm. work with um, people all over the world or just in Canada? Oh, I wish. Um, I get <laughs> I get DMs and emails all the time and I, I try my best to help people find uh, like suitable, you know, practitioners around where they are, but I am yeah. um, licensed in British Columbia, so I can only legally give medical advice in British Columbia, but I do work uh, via telehealth too. So if there's someone, BC is huge. So if you're, you know, super far away and can't make it into our physical clinic, um, I absolutely can do telehealth. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I'm more than happy to give you a reference of someone near you that will would be able to help. And there's a lot of really great resources now that I think are applicable to wherever you are. Like there's some really great books that are coming out, some really great, Uh, like medical professionals on Instagram that are giving away like free, amazing advice. So there's a lot of tools out there. Um, Yeah. Don't be afraid to, to ask, uh, to ask. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll put all your information on there. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Like I actually, yeah, yeah, I think we should have a conversation about endometriosis because that's also another big, big topic. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I would also, you know, be really interested to hear your own um, experience with it. So well, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Melissa.